Welcome to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast with Deanna Mason, where we help heal broken hearts through the tool of biblical literacy and help ministry leaders and business owners sustain the work they feel called to do through the gift of Sabbath rest. I'm Deanna Mason, your host, and I'm so happy to have you. Well, welcome back. Thank you so much for pressing pressing play and listening to either the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast or the Refresh Moms podcast. If you are listening on the Refresh Moms podcast, this is the last episode that we'll be publishing on this platform. So I invite you to come and subscribe and hang out with me at Study, Pray, and Rest with Deanna Mason. You can find me on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Just click that plus button to subscribe so that you will receive the episodes automatically once they are published. So thank you so much for being a faithful listener to the Refresh Moms podcast, but it's time for me to use the study, pray and rest podcast and platform to supplement the work of needle movers for social equity. In, In that space, we will be publishing episodes that will help you with learning to study the Bible inductively and leveraging biblical literacy for healing broken hearts. We will um, couple the things that we publish around the biblical discipline of Bible study and biblical literacy with studies that you can do in small group or by yourself in order to know God more. And when you know God more, your heart will begin to heal, your heart will change, and you will be that much more equipped to contribute to a culture of righteousness, justice, and equity in regards to how God sees those things. So I just invite you to come and hang out with us. We are so excited to create there. We have such vision for the work of that podcast, as well as with Needle Movers for Social Equity. So this is the last episode in the series for God So Love the World. Thank you so much for journeying with us on our topic of missions. It has been such an amazing, overwhelming blessing to talk about this with you and also the generosity of you and those that are in the needle movers slash refresh moms community. It has, it has blessed my heart. I can't, that's not even a appropriate articulation of what I feel about how generous you have been to get me to Uganda by helping me raise funds to get there and meet the needs that promise international has expressed to us in regards to that trip and that effort. And Last week, I published an Amazon gift list. I'm blown away by your response to it. We almost have everything on that. It was 35 or 36 items complete on that list. And there's only, at the time of this recording, 11 more to purchase. 11 more. And this morning, it was 13 more. So we're people are already chipping away at that. I'm blown away by your quick response. I'm blown away by your generosity. We raised over $10,000 for the fundraising effort the first, the very first week that I published that fundraising page. Your response is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We only have about $3,3300 more to go in our financial fundraising goal and only 11 more pieces of supplies on the Amazon gift list. And that's because your generosity is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is such a humbling thing to ask for money. (laughs) It's a humbling thing to ask for support with fundraising. I am more than willing to do so because I believe in the work that we're doing. And I know the work cannot be done without finances, but to ask for it and to be a nonprofit, which means I'm always in the position of fundraising in some way, shape or form. When you respond like this, it just, it fans the flame of vision that we have for our work. And it also feels so endorsing. And it's like these little, keep going, Deanna, keep going, Deanna. We support your work. That's what that means to me when you do it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
um, this is why I wanted to focus on missions work because there's there's so much good work being done by people that have dedicated their lives to vocational missionary work. And the funding of that work is, is so low key. It's like, you don't, you may know that a pastor may get paid for their salary or somebody on a church staff may get paid for the work that they do, but missionary work, it's not quite like that. It's so under the radar and they go in and out of seasons of head down doing the work and then peak back up to nurture partners and to fundraise in order for them to continue the work. And it's just, it's sometimes it can just be such a lonely thing to have to fundraise in order to say yes to what God has asked of you. And my guest is no different. My guest, Leah Hatefi, I am so sorry, Leah, if I'm chopping up your last name, but it's no different for her. She has been a vocational missionary her whole adult work experience. And now she is a married woman and mother of two very young children. Her oldest is two years old and she's still a full-time vocational missionary, which means she still has needs to fundraise. And I invited her to come share her story, not because she's asking for money, but just so you can have another peek into the world of what it actually means to say yes to God to do missions work. And I want to introduce her to you so that you could just hear a little bit of her background before we hop into my interview with her. So Leah Hatifi, wife of Aaron, I laugh because I feel like I'm, I'm just butchering her name. H-A-T-E-F-I. Leah Hatifi, wife to Aaron, mother of Evelie and Noah, is a vocational missionary with an organization called Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. For short, you may have heard that acronym before. YWAM equips young people to go into all nations and make disciples of peoples, all peoples in all tongues. And she has led many teams to other countries sharing the gospel and served with various long-term mercy ministry projects, mercy ministry. I believe the mercy ships ministry is now on their own. I don't know if they're still connected with YWAM. If I am thinking of the same mercy ministry that Leah is referring to, but they do amazing work in medical missionary um, outreach and just providing free surgeries and free dental care and life changing operations for people in Africa. I believe they focus their work in Africa. They may have another country of focus, but it's just incredible work. But that's she's done long term missions work with Mercy Ministry projects as well. But Recently, as in with the past couple years, she has felt God asking her to come back to the U.S. and serve as a vocational missionary in our area. Her and her husband moved to Atlanta, Georgia just a couple years ago. They had um, both of their babies here in Atlanta, and she was invited to establish and open a YWAM school of biblical studies in the Smyrna, Georgia area. This is the school that I graduated from last year and she was the one of the administrators of that school. And she was a part of that pioneering leadership team. She carried many roles, all roles as needed, many of which she completed while holding her nursing baby boy Noah in her arms. When she st- when we started the school year, she was pregnant with Noah. She had Noah during the school year. And after her maternity leave, she was right back working and serving in the school with Noah until it was quite something to watch and to witness. Her prayer with her work with YWAM School of Biblical Studies is that her, her students discover truth and deepen their understanding through the love of the Holy Spirit while they study and then take what they have learned into the world so that others may know God more through their life example. So I am so excited to share a little bit of the life of Leah with you. And without further ado, let's hop into our interview. Leah, thank you so much for hopping on to record with me today and sharing your story behind the work that you do as a missionary. I just am so 
thankful. Um, I'm so excited to introduce listeners to someone I already know and love. And I know you are finding time in the midst of parenting two small ones to record. <laughs> so I just really appreciate that. And um, just thank you. I am so happy to have you here. Yeah, I just appreciate the invitation. This is my first time ever being on a podcast. Oh. So I feel very honored and also like a rookie. Well, I am a rookie. Um, <laughs> and you know, sometimes these little windows, even though they're hard to squeeze in, they're actually the thing that feels really refreshing. Yeah. You know? I'm like, I'm talking with an adult for an hour. <laughs> I know what you mean. Of a half cleaned kitchen. <laughs> This is what it looks like, um, you know, with all the work I've done in the hundreds of mothers I've worked with, with refreshed moms, the things I've seen on the other side of a Zoom screen, it's just so incredible. I've seen boobs, more boobs than yeah. I probably care to have seen. I've seen boobs. I've seen boobs that didn't mean to be seen. Oh, yeah. I've seen children I... that are misbehaving. I've seen parents correct their children. I've seen the husband and wives have conflict. I've seen, I'm just trying to think of all the different things that I've seen as I coach. And whenever I see it and the mother is always apologetic and I'm like, you don't even understand. You're like the fourth person this week that I've seen that same yeah. scene play out. This is what it looks like to be a mom leader. And you can't make it look any different than this. This is exactly what it looks like when you are leading while you are being a mom. And you yeah. don't have to apologize for that ever, ever, at least with me. I hope you don't have to apologize <laughs> in any of your spaces. I watched you, which is why I'm inspired to even do this series. I watched you last year lead through a pregnancy, through the newborn stage. Mm -hmm. I've watched you lead when your car broke down and you had to walk back and forth with two children to teach and to be a leader in the Bible school. I've seen your children not want to be in childcare and want to hang with you while you were trying to be a leader. I've seen, I've just seen you do this and you may, I don't know if you feel like you did it gracefully, but it's, it's so inspiring to see your confident yes to obey God last year oh. in the midst of parenting <laughs> Very young children, two years old, right? And infant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Evie turned two during the school mm -hmm. and Noah was born during the school. Exactly. Yeah. Um, wow. Thank you. I mean, you're a mom, so you know all the like doubts and questions and like the running expectations that are in a mom's heart and mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely did not feel graceful, mm -hmm. but I really appreciate those words. Yeah. Like you're just putting some salve over, yeah. over my heart. <laughs> I don't think it ever feels graceful when we're doing it, but you literally said you, you're a model to other moms. There's a mom that is saying yes to SBS. SBS is School of Biblical Studies for those that don't know that acronym and are listening. The School of Biblical Studies is a youth with a mission um, Bible school program. That's what I went through last year. And there is a mom with young children that is saying yes to the next round of school of biblical studies. At least that's what she's communicated to me and literally asked me, can I mentor her next year? Oh, and yeah. I'm like, emphatically, yes. I was like, emphatic. Yes. Yes. Because let my, I say this, I've said this at least a gazillion times this month. Let suffer. No. Leverage my suffering for your reward. I've, I've said this to several people. I want whatever I went through, even because I was like the first of our school to go through it as a mom. Yeah. Let it be built upon. Let other moms that come after me have an easier time if they can learn from things maybe I did wrong or insights that I gleaned or hacks mm -hmm. that I've employed, you know, whatever those things are, permissions I gave myself, um, conversations I've had with my husband, you know, all, whatever, just use it all, use it all. So you can say yes to this, use mm -hmm. it all. 
but not do not for one minute think this is going to be an easy year. It's not going to be an easy year, but it can be easier and you're going to make it easier for the, someone that comes after you. So anyway, I, I just get it. And you guys are beautiful. Let me stop talking. I feel like we can just have a, have a whole conversation about the school of biblical studies and, and what last year was. That could be another one for your biblical literacy month or something. It could, <laughs> yeah, we can definitely bring that back. Cause I, I want more moms to say yes to study in studying deeply. That is a, a desire of mine to make biblical literacy and inductive study accessible to as many moms as possible. So they don't have to put it on hold, you know, while their children are, are little. Okay. So okay. let me stop talking as much. I want you to share your story about how you became a missionary. You know, when did your missionary vocation start with you? Yes. Okay. Um, So I entered missions when I was 23 and it was actually after a few years of really wrestling through a lot of brokenness, um, sin, like my parents went through a very messy divorce. Um, and so when I entered in, I started with this initial discipleship school that youth with a mission offers and it focuses on who is God who are you in relation to God? And then how do you share God with other people? And you go and do an outreach overseas, usually for two to three months, serving with ministries, uh, nonprofits, NGOs that exist in other countries. Uh And so that was kind of like the entry time. Um, And I'll circle back to some significant things that happened then, but really the seed was planted when I was very little. So I went to this amazing church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, um, growing up and it was very missions centered. I mean, the whole like backdrop of the entire stage was a map of the world with these small lights that they'd placed in the back that shine through on every country or city that we had missionaries Mm. sent to and it was just a really beautiful thing like as a kid to sit and look every Sunday and see that we weren't just holding on to truth for ourselves or to make ourselves fatter with knowledge or to make our community exclusive in any way and then When I was pretty young, they did this huge event one summer where they invited every missionary home. And so every missionary who had the means and the time to take furlough came home. And our church was also a school. And so they turned every single classroom into various countries. And I'm talking like from floor to ceiling, the place looked like a different country. They like put tarps down, they threw filled rooms with sand if it was like a beachy place I'm like how did you clean that up exactly Um, yeah that's commitment that's commitment and I remember like the sanctuary was the continent of Africa and they had like all different countries with booths around and like you could try like grasshoppers and fried caterpillars and you know like all the different things um and I befriended this little girl my age I think we were probably like maybe eight or so years old who was a missionary with her family in Argentina and I just remember being so inspired by all of these people and their kindness to children like me being one and it like it just sparked something in me a few years before that my parents were involved in youth ministry and they were sending off some seniors graduating into youth with a mission. And I remember my mom like calling me out from the playroom and being like, come pray for them. Like one of them, his name is Chris uh, Lotzball, just a little name drop for any YWAMers listening. But he (laughs) was, you know, 18 graduating and feeling called into missions. And he and his sister were always really nice to us. You know, when you're a kid, you just like the teenagers that give you attention. So Uh I just remember being really sad, like, oh, he's leaving. And my mom was like, no, don't be sad. He's going to do something amazing. And he went for many years into youth with a mission. And then when I went at 23, he was one of the speakers and he was teaching on grace and holiness. 
And I was sitting there like, this is so weird. Like 20, 18 so years later, here I am sitting under the teaching of this guy that was a teenager who got sent into missions. And he ended up meeting his wife, moving to Africa. Um, they planted the School of Biblical Studies there. And as he was teaching on grace and holiness, for me, it was the first time I actually understood that Jesus gives grace. And I don't know why my experience growing up, I translated the gospel minus grace. I just thought like, if you grew up in church, you should know better and do right on your own. Like you should know how to do what's right. And for when he brought in like the truth through the book of Leviticus, I just felt like light bulbs were going off. And I remember in my spirit feeling like the Lord was saying, love does not keep a record of wrongs. And I'm not tallying up everything that you've done. And again, at that point, like I was really broken. I'd been in a really abusive and sinful relationship and was like not walking with the Lord. And so I felt like the last person God would ever call to missions would ever use in missions because of all my sin. And it was that week, grace and holiness, where I realized like the holiness of God is also the place where we meet him in intimacy and he offers us grace and he makes us holy and calls us righteous. And so I just like, I was like a mess on the floor, blubbering, sobbing, um, we went to Brazil on our first outreach and I got to share the gospel. And I just remember thinking like, this is what I was made for. Like all I want in life is that people know there's a God who loves them and that they turn their eyes to him. So I went back on staff there with um, that initial program, the discipleship school. I lived in Montana and took teams overseas. Uh-huh and helped train and develop students and staff. Eventually, I also worked with the School of Biblical Studies, and that school is a Bible school for anyone, but it specifically trains missionaries so that they have like a shorter amount of time to get a lot packed in and then take it to other countries if they're doing that. So yeah, I spent seven years in Montana and going to other places um, and loved it loved it that's that was the starting grounds I love it thank you for sharing that you you were saying things in my heart was like leaping for different things that are in my heart now for missions I I have recently in very unexpectedly fell in love with the country of Uganda I haven't even stepped foot there And the way I love that country, I don't even know. It's like, I feel like God put it in my heart, just put it in my heart to love this country. And um, I'll be going there in a few weeks. And the team, the, the organization that I will be going to serve, I've been meeting with them for the past three or four weeks, uh, once a week. And they're already talking about like future trips. And we're already talking about like, different things that we could come back and do. I haven't even stepped foot. I haven't even stepped foot on the continent of Africa in the country of Uganda. So it's, it's just such a beautiful thing for God to expand our hearts for the nations. You in, you don't have to necessarily even go to a nation for God to expand your heart for. No, that's so true. Yeah. So anyway, Let's talk more about you as a mother. I have a like a pre question before this. Okay, I almost sure. it's it's like you as a wife, <laughs> you as a wife. Okay, because you guys share something during our graduation in December that angered the. I'm not a cuss. I'm not a cusser. <laughs> Anger not me. right out of your nose, girl. <laughs> not out of my nose i'm trying to think my granny was just here and she's very southern i'm like what would she is that what she's is that what she was i don't know what she would say oh my gosh is this phenomena which i don't know why i never thought about it but 
I could, you know, why, why wouldn't this be the phenomena of when women marry, women missionaries marry the partner, your partnerships tend to taper off. Um, your financial partnerships tend to taper off yet. You guys still say yes to this call. Um, yeah, the, the Christian feminist in me was pissed (laughs) off because I already know that's not the same story for our men missionaries who marry. I already know without seeing a statistic, they might get more money as a result of marrying. Right. Which I want to honor the role that our men play. Um, my husband is the quote unquote breadwinner of our home. I honor it. There's no way I could even be doing what I'm doing right now. If my husband wasn't downstairs working. Um, so I I do want to honor it and I don't want to act like I don't understand the mentality behind why people would reason that, Oh, well now that she's married, her husband will take care of her. All right. Or, you know, I'm assuming that's the reason without anybody telling me that's the reason, but, um, it significantly impacts your ability to continue the work when your financial partnerships taper off. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Not even necessarily just for you, but what you've seen in YWAM and how important it is for your financial partnerships to stay intact even if you're no longer single. Yeah. It's really complex, right? Because you have, at least with Youth with a Mission, it's an organization that's global, it's interdenominational, it's multi-generational. And so I think there's a lot of variations in all of those pieces. You know, I, when I was single and fundraising, I noticed my older donors had no problem giving to an organization. They were very missions minded. The younger donors don't want to give through an organization. They don't trust it. They would rather give to a person. You know, there's all these different um, things that play into fundraising. Um, But I think I watched a lot of families, I guess, struggle to continue with what God had asked of them as they grew. And I think in part it's on our end as missionaries, like knowing how to communicate what's, what we really do, um, what our needs are, what people are really partnering into. And that takes a long time to learn, Hmm. but it, there's definitely a trend for women who are single being very well, you know, supported and then getting married and some supporters dropping. I think when people have children, maybe the opposite happens. Like I at least had friends that, you know, were in missions long enough. They went from single to married to having babies. And it was like, as soon as they had a baby, it would kind of come back up. Hmm. Um, Cause people hmm. were like, Oh my gosh, you're doing this with kids. I think like a really good friend of mine had quite a few supporters drop when she got married. And I think what is really challenging is then it causes you to question your entire call, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Which is maybe sad to admit. And like in many moments, I've wished that my faith never was like wavered by a circumstance. Um, Mm -hmm but it's such a unique calling anyway. Uh And then when it puts your like ability to provide for yourself into question, that's really hard as a single person. But when you're married and you want to contribute, whether you have kids or not, that feels like such a weight and a burden. Um, if the thing you love doing no longer contributes financially to the needs that are present. And then when you add children to it, you know, there's all other kinds of concerns as well that can come into play. But I think you just feel the responsibility so much differently. Um, And you recognize like you're paying a cost, your husband's paying a cost, your children is paying a cost. And if you let that burden 
lay on your shoulders. It can be so, so heavy. And it's an area you definitely have to guard your heart. If you are kind of in one of those struggle transitions where you're having to bring light on what's Mm -hmm. going on for others. um, Yeah. So I think it's just the way that people think. I thankfully have a husband who's like all for me doing what I love. And also, you know, before having kids, we both really wanted to set up our budget. And even if it was tight, we wanted to work hard so that I could be with them. Uh And so I think that helped us in our, on the personal side of things um, and in our relationship that like, I have little kids and his expectation was that I'd be home. And so that wouldn't bring in money for our family either. Um, I think the tension has become that like, I'm giving out so much from our home Uh and my presence looks very different when a school is running. Uh And so it does feel like some of the other needs that wouldn't be met financially take a lot of that tension and like help yeah. it elevate. Yeah. I understand that so much. I feel like you just explained, even though it wasn't a missionary vocation, but you know, we made a decision to homeschool that I didn't know that we were going to do when yeah. we had kids. That wasn't like a, even a conversation that we put on the table. We just figured we'd figure out school once well, my son who graduates in two weeks, which is quite something to even think about. That was a long time ago that we were even thinking about this. But um, when we got, when he got close to being enrolled in school, those decisions became really, really significant in regards to where we were going to start his academic career. We weren't very satisfied with our choices and ended up saying, well, you know what, let's just, let's go to homeschool route because I want to set him up to be successful. And I just, these schools don't have a proven record of the success yeah. that I'm looking for. <laughs> so, um, yeah. which is how we got started and, you know, kind of fell in love with the family dynamic that that created. We mm-hmm. really loved having the kids around and loved being able to shape their lives the way that homeschooling allows. And, um, in, for those of you all that don't know, you know, my background, if you hung around the refresh mom space, you know, that my children have sometimes been in school, sometimes been homeschool. We've, we have nothing against school, but, um, the decision to homeschool, of course, impacted my career and impacted, um, my trajectory in my career. And I became very, very skillful at crafting income for myself in order to supplement, our household budget. And there were seasons where I wasn't working. There were seasons where I was freelancing, you know, it just, it just went in and out. But the underlying current was, it's really important for you to be home right now. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that financially things were, you know, great. We've, I don't have a season of being a Mason that finances weren't tight. I don't know what that feels like. We've always had a tight budget besides maybe the first year when we were both working. All right. But when we, um, started having kids and I started moving towards the ministry side of working, I don't know a year, I don't know a time where our budget wasn't tight. So, um, I just completely understand like this, this, this weight that I carried and still to this day carry to, to contribute financially to our situation Mm -hmm. while still being able to say yes to the things that I feel like I'm being called to do and raising kids in the home. That's a lot for, it's a lot for anybody to have to try to manage. And for some reason, I have been trying to do that for years. How do I work? How do I do ministry? How do I homeschool all at the same time? Mm -hmm. And which is why my heart has been drawn to vocational ministers, especially those that are mothers, because 
it is my prayer that when you when a mom feels called to spend her time in ministry work as opposed to a vocational career a regular career that she's her time can be freely spent focused on that because it takes yeah. a it's a it takes a lot to be a minister it takes a lot it takes a lot even if all you did was teach which that's not all you did but if all <laughs> you did was teach <laughs> just that one level level is ridiculous takes a lot of time what a dream <laughs> i know right it takes so much. I taught my first Bible book at the School of New Testament. Well, I taught two, but they were literally four chapters total. I taught Second Peter and Jude together. Right. Yeah. I know I spent at least 50 hours preparing to teach those three hours. And that was four stinking chapters. So anyway, yeah. I'm just, it just takes time to do ministry. And I think the people that, um, enjoy the fruits of those that minister to them can knowledgeably assent to that you want your people that are pouring into you to be prepared and to be well studied and to mm -hmm. be thoughtful and to be to be ready to serve right and it just there's only way that we can be that is if we take the time to do that and mm -hmm. part of what i think we struggle with here at least in this country is that we don't know how to separate that need or maybe we don't understand what that need really looks like with well you should be able to support yourself why should I support you why should I give of the money that I work hard for to support your home mm -hmm. and it's like well so you want me to do both you want me to work and you know spend the time working in order to support my home but you also want me to be prepared to minister to you and it's just it's, it's just such a hard thing to have to carry and I've carried it for years I've carried mm -hmm. it for years and um it's just difficult and I don't want moms to have to do that I want moms to be able to have all the money they need to be able to confidently say yes to a call so anyway that's just my heart and I'm a little I'm a little yeah. mad about it all right so <laughs> about, about the mother's side of it what what are some of your thoughts or concerns as a mom that has chosen this vocation do you have concerns for Noah and Evie? Yeah. I mean, doing this is living my dream, right? But I'm like the personality type that dreams everything up with silver lining all mm -hmm. over it. Um, like I can remember on every outreach, pretty much when I was in other countries, if I was having a hard day, I would pray and ask God, to have someone hand me their baby to hold because that happens a lot on oh. outreaches and I've like I've taught holding babies that weren't mine I've led worship holding babies that weren't mine I've gotten to dedicate babies in like an underground church which oh, was such an honor um you know as like a 24 year old I'm like what you want me to dedicate your baby mm. how do you do that um, <laughs> Right. And there were many, many years where I was weeping and asking God when he was going to bring my spouse alongside of me. But the reality of having all those things that I've prayed for for years comes with challenges you can never foresee. You know, like I would watch other moms and think, man, they're amazing. It's probably so hard. Or like they didn't sleep last night. Or I'd watch friends have their babies and you know, really wish that they could come to a worship night and that their kids are sick or their kids mm -hmm. are screaming and they're, they're not able to be as present. Um, but it's so different when it's you, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think for me, the tension I always feel is, am I being present enough in all of my roles? Because marriage, ministry, and motherhood are all very high calls. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful and holy and they challenge you and they cause you to grow if you let them. Um, but they all also need you to be present. And I think 
my biggest tension has been like, am I, am I failing my students on the days my kids need me more and I give them what they need? Am I failing my kids on the days this random scenario came up with the school that's taking all my attention and my toddlers pulling at me and my babies, you know, being nursed. And I'm like Uh typing an email and on a phone call, like, oh yeah, your car broke down. Let me try to help you. You're in the blazing heat and you are a guest speaker. You know, like when I'm, when I'm torn in multiple directions and then tired at the end of the day, am I still present with my husband? Uh Um, and am I still sitting at the feet of Jesus? And so I think for me, the most challenging part and my deepest concern for my children is always like, is this the best thing for them that other people need me? <laughs> I guess if that's, yep. if that's makes sense. Um, it does to me. Yeah. And then of course, I think the other concerns specifically about both of them, which my babies are sweet and like adaptable and they love people. Um, but still there were some times last year where childcare was tough and fell through quite a bit and they changed hands a lot. And I was up at night, like laying in bed thinking, I don't know if this is the right thing for them. Not because any of those people were not qualified or whatever, but simply the fact that I want them to have someone consistent to invest in them when I'm not the one present. Um, I felt very supported by my team, which I think is a rare gift in ministry. And I'm sure many other moms in ministry would have different things to say. I've seen many, many scenarios, sadly, where like, family and children are not truly valued and therefore it cuts the feet out from under a mom in ministry. Right. So that was not my experience. Um, and I feel blown away by the examples of my leaders here and the square church. Um, but yeah, just like I, if I'm going to be away from them, I want the person playing, teaching, training them, to love them and to love Jesus a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that that was the, the tough point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just feel so much of it. <laughs> yeah. I feel so much of it. I, I just think of things that I didn't do because, um, like I, I remember a season where I didn't have money for childcare and me and Eddie were both working. We were working in ministry, but we didn't, we couldn't afford childcare. Mm-hmm. It is like I, I, the different people that had my son, as I put it together every week, it was, it was just a season of inconsistency and girl I just I just I just you were just speaking I remember when Claude was he's about one years old and child care felt like it was so hard it was so hard I finally found a daycare and I really feel like God did this uh, there was a daycare that was opening up down the street from our house now I didn't oh. want to do daycare but my brain was like well they're new I bet they need somebody to help them with their marketing and I went in there and they did a tour uh, for me. And um, I said, well, I really can't pay for childcare, but I'm a marketer. You are so industrious. It is amazing. And I asked her if we could barter. And she said, absolutely. And I became, a, that's, that was my first freelance marketer. So keep in mind, I was working full time free and freelance marketing in order to pay for my child care um and she was a client for at least three like when i moved and ended up after had kindle and ended up um making a decision to come home because i didn't know how to work and have two kids i just didn't know how i don't know how people do it i still to this day don't know how people do it but um people do it i couldn't do it i didn't have the dna to to work nine to five and raise two babies i just didn't know how to 
put those two things together. So I decided to come home and leverage my um, ability to freelance. And she was a client at that time. So anyway, I'm just reminiscing about that season when my children were not school age and I just could not pay for childcare. So yeah, you go ahead. It's, I mean, it's just like a, childcare is expensive and it's really important. And I think for all the working moms who are listening, you know, the, you know, the ins and outs of this too. And the tension is probably similar for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think or I am I could imagine for the working mom, you can see your income benefiting your family mm-hmm. really quickly. And in ministry, I had my eyes open for what was benefiting. And I will say the flip side of all the tension and some sleepless nights where I'm like mapping out child care and who's gonna be with them and wondering if they're okay and making sure I have all the snacks they'll need. Um, But the flip side is that they have community. Like my kids have like, you know, 12 aunties and uncles they didn't have who are my students. And, you know, by the end of the year, somebody, it was so sweet before the school was starting, someone saw me post about Evie wanting a backpack or something because she saw Mm -hmm. me put the diaper bag on. And just Amazon, you know, deliver something from someone in our community and someone I'm not like very close with. Um, And Evie just like owned it then. She had her own backpack. She had her own water bottle. She put it on and she'd be like, okay, I'm ready. And by the end of the year, she called class home. She would ask me to go home instead of our own, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, that is only because of the love that my children experienced Mm -hmm. through community, which was part of the dream, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are sacrifices that we make and I will not say it's easy. You know, I was very sleepless and teaching and grading and pioneering and meeting with people, but my kids have community that love them. And I don't know if Evely would have done this otherwise, or if it's just like, if it's just her personality, but she is kind of obsessed with the Bible. Hmm. And recently Noah slept in. And so I was like, Ooh, I can read my Bible. And I like pull it out to Exodus and Evie asked me to read it to her. And it was not a picture Bible. And I would stop thinking she'd get bored and she'd say, no, mama, please keep reading to me. And, you know, we're asking, I'm asking her like, what do you think? Is Pharaoh kind? Is he unkind? What do you think about Pharaoh? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I just think, man, maybe her desire for Bible is because she was around Bible loving people all year mm-hmm. and that could shape her for her whole life. So mm-hmm. I don't want to neglect the beautiful things that happen, though the cost does feel high. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I could go into a whole story on how high that cost felt but how necessary it felt after I came out of school and the things that my family walked through, specifically one of my children. And don't think I would have had the well, the spiritual well to draw from if I hadn't gone to school and my child needed me in a way that I didn't foresee and would, I don't think I would have felt equipped to walk through if I hadn't spent nine months with Jesus. I'm just, Mm -hmm. it's just, but it didn't feel like that when I was going through it at all. It just felt several times I questioned if I made the right choice. Okay. So I want to close here. Uh, Well, there's two things I want to ask you, but real quickly, can you share like in this particular season of your life, what does financial partnership mean to you as a missionary, especially as you um, look forward to starting the next school year, what would financial partnerships mean for you and your family right now? Yeah. Um, so practically I am meeting weekly 
with our leadership team to prepare the school and prepare staff training. Okay. And so I already have like a childcare expense that is present for those days. Um, and sometimes they end up at the meetings with me, but let me tell you, those are crazy days. <laughs> they're busy, <laughs> they're busy bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so childcare would be part of what people are specifically giving toward. As Deanna mentioned, my car died last year and uh, my husband is literally brilliant at fixing all things. Um, but he's fixed that car so many times that it was done and it was a transmission mm-hmm. issue. So we decided to sell it for what we could and begin saving for a new car. Um, I'm going minivan mom. It's time that way. Mm -hmm. Last year, I also felt like, man, whenever I want to load my students and my kids in a car, I can't, Mm -hmm. it was too small. And so I'm thinking, Ooh, if I get a van, I can also use it for school functions when I need to take some students Mm -hmm. with me. Um, when we want to go do an outreach in the city, Mm -hmm. take the car seats out and load people up. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's practically another piece that we are saving for specifically my vehicle. Mm-hmm. And then um, sometimes it goes towards other random family needs like diapers or, you know, this year at one point, Noah was outgrowing his bassinet and I was like, we don't have money for a crib. And someone mm-hmm. gifted that, right? So mm-hmm. they gifted the specific amount we needed, even without knowing, which that's just kind of the crazy things God does. So sometimes it's your family practical stuff that come up with a toddler and a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other piece that is more, I guess, ministry related that people are giving toward is actually like the, the work of the mission. So part of what I do at times is traveling, teaching in other places, recruiting. Um, We have training sessions that are where, staff and teams from all different states and sometimes countries will come together to collaborate and learn. And so those uh, ministry expenses come up and there's usually at least one large Mm -hmm. trip annually that is more expensive. Mm -hmm. And I'm usually flying me and the two babies. So Mm -hmm. it it adds up um, to do that. But I think what it means to me so like on the less practical side is that like I remember this you know first moment when I said my yes to leading this school with Emily and I had not been in like active vocational missions for a couple of years and I thought where do I even start fundraising and how Will people join me because I'm married? I bet they won't think I need it. And Mm -hmm. I was coming back to that question. And I felt so nervous about sending out my first ask for support. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends who is beautiful and amazing. um, She is the mama of six. Three of them are adopted siblings. So she has three kids and then adopted like a set of siblings And she sent me $25 and I wept like, yeah, just wept. like, I know how hard she and her husband work to take care of their family. I know the things that they face. I know that like having six children is not cheap. Um, and so what it means to me is that I'm not alone. And it reminds me that God is with me, that he has called me to this and that I have people I can lean on, not just financially, but for prayer and for care. Like, you know, there are sometimes astounding gifts that come in from nowhere or from someone who doesn't even know me, but I will tell you, it's those people who are faithful and do like the small, like consistent things that for me personally feels so meaningful because mm-hmm. I feel like I have people standing with me every month mm-hmm. when I hit something hard. Um, yeah. So Girl, oh my gosh, I cried yeah. those tears when someone sent a donation, like the first donation that comes through. 
after you're so vulnerable to ask for help. This this just happened when I was raising money for Uganda. <laughs> also, and I, just so and I didn't have, I didn't even have like a fundraising campaign set up or anything. And I needed money for my plane ticket. And I just posted it on Facebook and in my stories. Like, look, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to sometime this week have something official where you can read about the trip and get details. But right now I got to buy my plane ticket. <laughs> and here's my Venmo. I can't give you a um tax deduction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I'm like, I just and like within 10 minutes, somebody sent me $50 and I cried. Yep. And yeah. I cried. Um what that means for my family right now with me making a decision to lean into ministry and not my vocate my normal vocation i haven't worked since april since may of last year like i tried to do it when i started school and realized very quickly there's no way i could hold client i can i couldn't have clients and so i wrapped up my last client like at the end of april or like the top of may of 2022 yeah. and i and i did, didn't take any more and um haven't gone back to that level of work since school and um so my family doesn't have that income and to say hey i need help getting to uganda will you help me and i can't buy my plane ticket but can you help me and somebody sends you 50 bucks i just can't even anyway you're gonna have me cry just thinking about the way i felt when i got that venmo notification it was and it was from someone that I would have never thought would have given me 50 bucks. Not that I don't think they're kind, but we don't talk. We never talk. Generosity is wild. You know, it, it almost doesn't matter who it comes from or how much or when there is something really significant when it, when it's really cheerful giving and, or when it's a really sacrificial gift. And sacri- I don't say sacrificial by and mean a specific amount because right. a sacrifice, it varies for every person. Mm-hmm. But man, it, it feels like if you'd had the wind knocked out of you, someone put breath back in your lungs. Yeah. But you're yeah. like, oh, whew, I'm not alone. Yeah. And we all need that, right? Like mm-hmm. we need the kind note, the text on the day someone comes to your mind, the the gift when we're in need, like we all need that. Yeah. So as we close, share one story that is very memorable to you um, over your <laughs> years of mission work. Is there one that you can share? You, when I ask this question, I, I my missionaries are like, well, golly, I can't even pick one, but can you yeah. choose one? <laughs> I, that's true. There are so many. However, I do have some practice in like having kind of a little, it's like I took a purse and I just put the essentials in it. I have like a few stories in my purse. I just always use. Okay. Um, But there are hilarious ones. There are meaningful ones. And for me, I always come back to this moment in India. So this was the first trip that I was responsible for leading the team rather than just a participant. Um, and India was a place for me that it sounds like similar to you with Uganda, like God had just started speaking to me. I'd heard lots of crazy stories about India. And so it felt a little intimidating, but I just couldn't shake it. Like Mm -hmm. I could not shake that I was meant to go there. And I think India is one of the most beautiful places and cultures I've ever seen it's also the most for me that stood in like stark contrast to anything I'd experienced here in the states or other places and so there are a lot of things about it that can be shocking when it's not your own culture I think also it's such a hugely populated country Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know we have homelessness all over the states We have children who need homes here in the States. But when you go to a country where there are 
millions more people, you see it all. It's, it's in your face. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember walking through villages, seeing these homes that were basically like wood and like some random like sheet metal piled up and they'd like stack. I mean, it looks like an apartment complex stacked, 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 but it's kind of haphazard walking through and, you know, being followed around by beggars and orphans and seeing just the need, Mm -hmm. like, and feeling the weight of a huge need. I felt pretty overwhelmed by it and at a loss for what to do or how I could even like, where do you even start? Um, And we walked into this little home and this woman pulled out her best for us. She put like a mat on the floor. She had a charcoal like fire going. Um, And like those little plastic chairs that kids sit in. Mm a couple students sat in those and I just like closed my eyes for a second as the translator started talking to her and I just asked Jesus to show me where he was and you know this could be my imagination or whatever but I felt like the Lord said I visit this woman every single day make sure you don't miss the beauty here and how present I am here And that moment stands out to me so much because immediately it was like my eyes were open to this culture that was warm, that was hospitable, that gave you everything that they had, even if it was the last of what they had. And I think there, in my experience, India had this terrible reputation of being like so hard and so many orphans and they don't care for the homeless and the caste system and this complexity of issues. And though some of them are serious issues, there is beauty to be found there. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is there with these people and he loves them and their hearts are pure. Like some of them are seeking to know him, mm-hmm. seeking to know truth. The Christians in India, like many of them have sacrificed family because they get excommunicated. Some of them have been persecuted for becoming believers. Like it is a beautiful people and a beautiful nation. And I felt like in that moment, God was inviting me to see who he is, inviting me to see who the people of India are, while at the same time, kind of confronting my Western mindset that sees everything that is so different as a problem. And it reminded me also that I need to seek Jesus to see the parts of a culture that reflect him and the parts of a culture that need redeemed and actually to make sure that my part is to help redeem what is truly broken, not what I would deem as broken, you know? Um, Man, I fell in love with that country. I wept my eyes out when I left. It was the hardest experience I ever had. Um, And I loved it. And I love those people. And I went back one other time, but I would go, I would go in a heartbeat. I just, I think it's beautiful. And there's so much to be learned from Uh the way they love and how warm they are Uh and how generous they are. Thank you for sharing that, that beautiful story. That's the whole reason why I want to travel is I want to see the love of God in the way it is it shows up around the world because I know that I will change when I see how God loves his people and his creation outside of what I, all I know is America. And I know he loves us. I know he's walking with Americans and loves us, but I want, I want to learn how he loves his creation across the planet. So anyway, thank you for sharing, giving me a little insight into that little part of our of the world um leah thank you for giving me an hour or so of your time to chat and you you guys all of leah's information in regards to how to connect with her and a link to how to give and support her are in the show notes but you can also give towards our current 
campaign because there's a portion of the campaign dollars that will go towards um, Leah and Brittany, which is our other missionary that we have partnered with to support. So you can give either place. It doesn't matter. You can give straight to Leah or you can give to the um, link for the Uganda campaign in order to contribute to our goal that will um, include Leah and Brittany. So thank you so much, Leah. For- thank you so much. And thank you to all of your listeners. I just feel really, really honored. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're beautiful and I'm glad they got to know you a little bit. Thanks thank again. You. Thank you. Have a happy afternoon, friend. Thank you for listening to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast. There's just a few things that I would love to ask of you before you go. Number one, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, would you mind leaving an honest star rating or review on the platform that you are listening on? Number two, if this particular episode was particularly inspiring or impactful for you, do you mind sharing it within your circles of influence, in your um, social media spaces, with your family or friends? These types of things help us increase our reach, which of course gets our work out to more people. And it also speaks to our podcast platforms that our podcast is meaningful enough for them to share it organically as well. And number three, I would love to invite you to become a partner financially with Needle Movers for Social Equity. We are consistently funding our initiatives and programs and to have you leave a one-time donation or become a monthly financial partner would just do wonders for our work. So please prayerfully consider that and you can find out how to do that in the show notes or just visit needlemovers.org. That's it. Thank you so much again for listening and hopefully we'll chat soon.